Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be with you this morning. Um, I hope that um, you are enjoying your time at home, wherever you're uh, gathering with us this morning, um, or if you're listening to this later on um, in the week or in the months to come. Um, it really is a honour and a privilege to be with you guys this morning. Um, we are starting week 12 of our passages in John. And um, if you don't mind, um, this morning, I'm just going to start by reading the scripture that we will be looking at today together. This passage um, can be a little bit of a difficult one today. And so I just want to kind of set it up for us as we step into what it might look like for us as we hear from our great Lord this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got your device, whatever it looks like, I'll just encourage you to keep it. Um, out with us this morning as we go through. But we're going to be looking at John 5 verses 19 to 30 this morning. And this is what it says. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those who whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over death, sorry, has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to also have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I only judge as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to be really honest with us this morning and share with you that this is not an easy passage of scripture that we will be looking at today. It is really hard sometimes to look at these verses and to be able to take in what the Lord is saying. But my hope today is that we can look at it and really get a sense of what God is saying to us. I also just want to let you know that if I misspeak or misinterpret any part of this, that you would give me the grace and show me mercy as we seek to understand this passage. My heart and my prayer in this is only that it will point you to Jesus. And I would also love to encourage you that if you are wrestling with some of these things today, that you would step towards maybe the community that you're in, in a home group or a home church or with those within your family, so that you're able to really look at this in a way where you can hear what the Word of God is saying to us. So to start us off today, we actually need to go back and step a little bit where McGuinness left off last week, particularly around when we saw the miracle at the pools of Bethany. 
You see, from verse 16 to 24 in John 5, we have what Tim Keller actually calls the synopsis of the career of Jesus. In verses 16 to 18, Jesus tells us who he is and he outlines for us what he has come to earth for us to do. This passage at times feels a little bit up and down and left and right, which is why I do want to encourage you to keep it open with us this morning. The revelation to the Jewish people at the time when Jesus stated his equality of God in these verses was a really, really big deal. It would have stopped them in their tracks. They were already planning to kill him. So any further information to what he was saying in those previous verses into now would have really given them more fuel to the fire. So now that we've got a little bit of that context where we're coming from where in verse 16 to 18 last week that Jesus stated his equality with with God, we start now in verse 19. So verse 19 and 20 says this for us. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. And He will show Him even greater work so that you will see these and so that you will be amazed. Did we catch that again? That Jesus, who was equal with God, came down to earth and became secondary and obedient to the Father. He did not do this alone, but he did what the Father had asked him to do. The idea of becoming secondary and obedient is really important for us to notice today. This is where God, or Jesus is stating he is both God and man. And his obedience to become man and do what the Father willed is where we sit this morning. Obedience to the will of the Father is what Jesus demonstrated here. He showed us as followers of him what obedience looks like. Being the Son of God and being obedient to the Father, this continues to share with us in verse 20 where he says he is loved by the Father in all that he does. This love that Jesus spoke of here in verse 20 is an echo to the moment in Matthew 3. Do we remember this? This is Matthew 3 verse 13. Jesus then came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptised by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be now so. It is proper for us to do this as it is fulfilled to all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water and at that moment the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven came and said, This is my Son with whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. These verses in both John 5 and Matthew 3 acknowledge the communication between the Father and the Son, the love between the Father and the Son, and the obedience that Jesus engaged in by following the direction of the Father. Jesus was aware of God's plan to redeem all of humanity through Him, through Himself. And Jesus came to earth so that we may believe and follow Him. He then says that he will do even greater works than these. And what were these works that the Father and that Jesus was talking about? 
Remember our context around that we've just stepped forward from the healing at the pools of Bethany. The greater works that Jesus spoke of here were even greater works than healing of a man of 38 years. Jesus was speaking of his own death and resurrection. This is the greater work that we would be amazed and as some translations say, filled with great wonder. Only God could do this. In verse 21, 22 and 23, we find this really interesting shift in the way in what Jesus is saying. Jesus in verses 19 and 20 has come down. So he's down on earth. And then he, in some weird way, he comes up. So when we're looking at verse 21, 22 and 23, what we see is that Jesus has been brought back to the place where all honour is given to him. And the Father in that moment gives Jesus honour, authority and the right to judge. The Son is honoured here just as the Father is. Verse 21 says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased. Jesus speaks here of the life that the Father gives, the Creator, that we as people have been made in the image of God and life and true life is only given through Him and through the Son, Jesus. When Jesus spoke this to the Jewish leaders at the time, this again would have caused great irritation and great distress for them because he's not only suggesting and stating that he is the equal to God, but he's also saying that he can give life. And these Jewish leaders would have been really aware of the Old Testament and particularly the book of Deuteronomy. And throughout our conversations over the last couple of weeks, we have stepped back to look at these passages in Deuteronomy. And what these Jewish leaders would have been really aware of is the particular verses in, verse, um, in chapter 32, verse 39, where God spoke of himself and he said this, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring life, have wounded and I will heal, and no one can deliver out of my hand. God here was speaking that there is no other God than him. He alone brings life and death, wounding and healing. And before them now in this moment, Jesus was saying the exact same thing, that he had the power of life and death. Again, stating his equality with God through these passages. Someone being raised to life is never an ordinary thing. No human person could raise a person to life. No created work can raise itself to life. This could only be the work of divine power, the creator to creation giving life. Tyler uh, Staten, uh, a pastor in the US, says this, Jesus' resurrection released hope, not to cheapen life in this world, but to dignify it. To believe in the resurrection of Jesus is to place the full weight of hope in the story of Jesus. It is to acknowledge that at the centre of the harsh reality of life, there is a supernatural gap that cannot be closed by any natural means. Jesus gave us a way to have life and life through him. And this is the great hope, the, the non-natural means of life.
And just as Jesus was then stated as being equal to God and that he had the power of life and death, then it steps towards the fact that Jesus is given the right to be our entrusted judge. Verse 22 and 23. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who has sent him. Jesus says the Father doesn't judge, but the Son does. Jesus alone has the right to judge, and therefore all people must honour him. To honour the Son is to ensure our allegiance to him, and we are to believe that our life is to be given to him. Our only hope is in our Saviour. And because of this, Jesus deserves all honour and it all must be given to him. Like I shared, these verses kind of seem a little bit like a yo-yo. Jesus is up, then he's down, then he's up again. And it can be really hard for us to understand that, particularly in some of the, in, in the way that we read, I guess, our scriptures today. But I also don't want us to miss this this layered reality that is in there that when Jesus is speaking, particularly in these verses of 19 to 24, he is actually pointing us towards the kingdom of God and the reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not like earthly kingdoms. It is greater than all of these. Dallas Willard said of the kingdom of God that now God's own kingdom or rule is the range of his effective will, where he wants what is done is done. And what do we know about the kingdom of God? That it's not bound by any earthly ways. It's in direct opposite to the way of our world. It is where God's will is done alone. You see, the kingdom of God In it, the way up is down, the way to reign is to submit, the way to be high is to be low, and the way to lose, uh, the way to find our life is to lose it. Jesus was high, then low, and then high. His life showed us the reality of the kingdom of God. So, what is our responsibility in this for this first section of this passage of John? How are we supposed to live in that reality of knowing that Jesus is deserving of all honour and all praise? I believe it's found um, in Philippians 2, where where Paul speaks of what Jesus did and how Jesus laid his life out. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 11 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one of spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came to earth and he waded through what it means to be human, which led to his death on a cross. He didn't consider this equality with God to be used for his advantage, but he made himself nothing through this act. And then through the death of himself on the cross and the resurrection, he was exalted to all honour, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. This is the honour that Jesus deserves and this is how we should live our life. As sinful people, we have at times refused to honour the true Lord and captain of our lives, Jesus Christ. We have attempted to live our lives for ourselves and not for him. And today I believe that we really need to realign and really realign to honour him in all that we do. I wonder what that realignment process might be for you. It'll be different for you than it is for me. But I think as we reflect upon what is being said here, that that realignment that we can do this morning to ensure that our allegiance and our honour is given to our King is of great importance. Jesus left his position of honour and took on the dishonour that we deserve because of our sin. We owe him our lives. He is not only our creator, but our redeemer. And just like Jesus did, we must submit our own will and our own way of doing things and our own way of living and do what the Father desires to say, your will be done, Lord, and not my own. As we continue now, we step into verse 24 where it says this, and I'm just going to read from verse 24 to the end of um, our passages today, which is in verse 30. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and now has come where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him all all authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice come out, and those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned." By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but he who has sent me. You know, you may not know this about me, but I have a very, very strong sense of right and wrong. I'm all about things being just and fair. I don't like it when someone pushes in the line in front of me to get coffee, as trivial as that seems. And I find it really difficult when I see great injustices like governments and regimes take the lives of their citizens. 
there's often an urge within me that is there to call out injustice. To say that this is not right and that there should be a punishment and judgment for the wrongdoing of these things. But what I find really hard more than just the injustice itself is seeing the injustice and then thinking or seeing that those who have done wrong then go unpunished. Life is really hard and unfair and those who seem to walk away without any consequence for the poor behaviour seems even harder for me to reconcile. It brings such, you can probably see, irritation and distress for me. I really believe that there's a deep need within each and every one of us for, for things to be set right, both now in life and life after death. We know that there must be, that we, sorry, we know that we want to know that injustice cannot go unnoticed or unpunished. We want to shout and say that there has to be vindication. We want the unjust to be punished for their wrongdoings and for everything to be made right. But if I want judgment for them, then I will also have to look at the times when I have behaved in a way that is unjust, where I have pushed my way to the front, caused distress and hurt. If I want injustice for the for what I, sorry, if I want justice for the injustice that I see, then the harsh reality is, is that I must face judgment too. You see, if I only want there to be judgment for the wrongdoing of others, when it comes to myself, I only want mercy and not judgment. I want a judge to rule on all of everyone else's wrongdoings, but not on my own. Judgment for them, please, Lord, but not for me. I want judge I want a judge but I don't want judgment. I want someone to square all accounts, tie up the loose ends for the sins of others, but I certainly don't want this for myself. Do you resonate with that? <laughs> but the truth is is that no injustice can be made right without judgment, whether it's someone else's or my own. The challenge that I really feel that we face in this post-Christian culture at the moment is that we desire justice from our earthly perspective more than knowing and waiting for the day where Christ will return and judge the living and the dead. The only way for true justice to be restored is for the rightful judge to judge all people. This next part of John 5 really speaks to us about the judge of who he is and what he judges on. I just want to pop in a little aside here that if you want to look into this a little bit more, that Tim Keller does an excellent um, commentary over um, particularly these passages in John and John 5. Um, and particularly the verses that we're looking at today, he does two sermons kind of split between the two. So it's about two and a bit hours of of information. But if it, this is something that you really want to seek into, I would encourage you to have a little look at that with us. See, we have a judge and it is Jesus. And Jesus was not only subject to judgment, but he was the object of judgment. We have a judge who not only dispenses judgment, but is worthy of dispensing judgment because he came also to absorb the judgment. This passage points to us that one day history will come to a close. The curtain will fall in the middle of the act and a judge will appear, Jesus. 
and he shall judge the living and the dead, and he will judge based on the standard of his righteousness. Now, everyone, I need you to really listen in clearly here because this is the part where we may get a little bit confused. I want us now to go to verse 29 where it says, Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. What I want to state very, very clearly now is this, that on the day that judgment, that the day the judgment seat comes does not determine our individual salvation. The issue of individual salvation rests solely on the work and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so let's hold that in our minds here. But when we look at verse 29, what it echoes for us is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10, where it says this. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home or in the body or away from it. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done whilst in the body, whether it is good or bad. You see, remember, the exact moment when a believer places their faith in Jesus Christ, it is validated and at the white throne, that believer's name is written and found in the book of life. Believing in Jesus is the only way to be saved, period. Romans 10 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we can um, proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, for it is the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What, the verse, what verse 29 and 2 Corinthians 5 is speaking of where Christ on that judgment day seat will evaluate the faithfulness of each believer and assign rewards accordingly. The nature of what these rewards are are not incredibly clear. In 1 Peter 5, it speaks of the crown as rewards. But then in Revelation 4, it also speaks of to the fact that on that day that the crowns will ultimately be laid at the feet of Jesus. I will share with you, I'm not exactly sure what that will look like on that day and what that means. But nevertheless, the truth is, is that one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for the faithfulness of this life. With this knowledge... It is of utmost importance for all of those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ must be diligent in their calling in bringing him all glory in all things, including the efforts to invest in the kingdom of God on earth. This is a great privilege that we have that must not be ignored. 
He says here that his judgment is only just and only Jesus, the one true king, can judge. His judgment is not for himself but for the Father. Jesus will only judge what the Father has decreed and it is by the will of the Father. Please hear me once more. Eternal life comes only from and through believing in Jesus, believing in who he said that he is and believing in what he said he has done. You know, in, in preparing for this this morning and thinking about things, I just want to just take a moment to say that you may be watching from somewhere there at home and you may be thinking this is all a little bit too much and a little bit overwhelming. And you may not know who this Jesus is that I've been speaking of this morning. But if you are resonating with this and that you want to know more about Jesus, can I just encourage you that if you're watching right now to engage in the chat and there's someone there who will be able to point you towards what I'm speaking of. He is a wonderful, beautiful saviour, Jesus, and he has come to earth not only to save me from my sins, but you from yours. And if you want more information about that, don't miss this moment this morning. You can also head to the connection point on our website so that you're able then to engage in that as well. Don't miss this this morning if you hear and you want to know more about this Jesus. So as I close this morning with all of this information, I guess, around honouring King Jesus and what that means for us and recognising that one day that we will stand before our King and our Judge and that He will seek to do what He will do on that day, I just wonder what this means for us as a community. I wonder what it means for you individually as we work this out and work out our salvation together. I believe that it's important for us in this moment as a community that we look towards what we as a people can be doing in how we live and honour our King. Saying yes to Jesus is not simply about just reserving a spot in heaven. It is to join in the family of the redeemed and to learn how to collectively become a part of the living preview of a promised future. William Willimon, an American theologian, wrote this, The most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter Sunday, but rather a group of people whose lives together are so radically different so completely changed from the way that the world builds community that there can be no other explanation other than something decisive happened in history. And in it all, my dear brothers and sisters, it is and always will be only about Jesus. His decisive act in history was marked by him coming to earth to the, be the mediator for us in the, in, and to provide a way to relationship with the Father. He was equal to God and he humbled himself to death on a cross where he died for you and for me, for all the injustice to make things right. He took on sin and died to exchange death for life so that we may not die but live. And one day he will return to earth and he will judge the living and the dead. And on that day, 
every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To him be the praise, glory and honour forever. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just come before you and look at this scripture in a way, Jesus, where we ask that you would align with us and align, realign our lives today. Be with us, God, as we wrestle and as we seek to honour you in all that we do. In your name, amen.